Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Muriwa Gavaza, and for today, uh, we do continue with a theme that we've had uh, um, on the platform for some time, and that is uh, this issue around uh, cybersecurity. Increasingly, in a digitalized world, you do need to be protecting yourselves, protecting your environments, because the more uh, that our information is going online, is going into um, all of these various systems. Um, we certainly need to know what's happening with it and make sure that we are protected. And especially now, you know, where everyone, their dog, their cat is talking about uh, things like uh, chat GPT, you know, we need to also have those discussions, um, you know, to say, is this technology a net good or is it something like anything else that can be used by bad actors for whatever they want to do? And then to round up is to say, as much as we talk about cybersecurity, you know, do we have the skills, the people, um, and the capability to actually make sure um, that our various environments are protected? Because you can, um, you can have the software, you can have the systems, but it's quite something else to have the people that can run those things. Uh, a tool is only as great as the people that uh, you know are using them. Do we have those people in the local market? So to help us uh, to make sense of all of this, I am today in four ways in Johannesburg um, with Checkpoint. They are a cybersecurity speciality firm um, and uh, we're just going to be chatting with them um, just to understand a little bit of what's going on. We've got uh, an interesting one, three people that we're going to be talking to today. So I'm going to allow each of them to first, um, you know, uh, introduce themselves before we get into things. Thank you. Uh, so my name is Pankaj Bula. I'm the uh, regional director for Checkpoint in Africa. I'm Shani Lee Adams-Kruger. I'm the country manager for the SADC region. Good day. I'm Rudy from Royan, security engineer at Checkpoint. All right, cool, excellent. Um, I think uh, maybe a, uh, a a good place to begin um, then is uh, is to say that uh, from your point of view, right? Um, you, I'm here because we're, there was a presentation earlier on today, and you guys were sharing some of the insights, um, you know, that you have um, out there in the market. Um, you know, some of the research that you guys were doing. What are some of the key things, you know, when it comes to, you know, cybersecurity, cybersecurity threats, um, you know, in the regions? We're talking South Africa and yes. um, the rest of the continent. So earlier we um, we presented some content. Uh, understandably that. Uh, Checkpoint has been around in the industry for, for over thir 30 years now. So, in fact, we're the founders of uh, the initial firewall. It was designed to protect companies from cybersecurity threats. So, you can imagine over 30 years the amount of information that we've got. And so, that research we share on a, on a in fact, this live, you can download a report anytime from, uh, from our websites. And, and the indications are very clear that... Um, Unfortunately, Africa is in a, in a, in a bit of a, a, a tough place, if I, if I can use those words. We experience in three times more uh, than the global average of attacks. We, uh, we work off a theme uh, where we, we refer to current threats that take place today as Generation 6. So these are large-scale, multi-vector, infrastructure type, you know, not only company-related, but governmental type attacks 
and um, and on the continent, most organizations in public sectors, are to some extent, in our belief, are on the generation two to three. And if you were trying to simplify it for the listeners, generation one is referred to as antivirus technology. <laughs> I remember when that used to be um, pre-installed on computers back in the day. Yes. Exactly. So, so yes, it's it's um, it's interesting times for us. Um, as far as the continent is concerned, um, they, there's a few that pop up every every month that experience the most amount of attacks. It's also because of the size of the economy. So you got the likes of Ethiopia, Angola, Nigeria. South Africa is certainly there in the top 10. You know, there are about 40 odd countries on the continent, but we definitely feature. And uh, whilst South Africa is relatively sophisticated, uh, which which is which is true in terms of its the developed status of the country. In technology terms, we are probably the the best hotspot for for uh, for these bad actors, and um, and so the common um, the common threats that take place around you know malicious code, phishing, ransomware. We've seen a lot of something called denial, um, sorry, um, DDoS. Um, it's um, and some of these uh, these threats continue to take place uh, across the continent at large. Perhaps as a quick follow-up before before we move on is just um, getting a sense of there was an interesting um, slide that you showed you know during the presentation and that one showed um, you know which countries you know tend to be the ones that are um, I guess attacked the most and my question is just more about the fact that at least from an I'm not an expert in in in, in cybersecurity but it would seem as if um, most cyber attacks are done in more or less the same way, right? So why does it? Why why do certain countries then become more targeted than others? I don't know if what I'm asking makes sense. Yeah, so um, you'll find that from our research, a very common uh, form of threat is something called MOTET, which is a a name of a malicious code that, that that's been used. And it's been used for many, many years on the, you know, in the world and even on the continent. What happens is it morphs itself. It keeps evolving. So it just becomes smarter and smarter and then eventually gets through to the, to the, to, to the folks or the companies that it, it was uh, approaching before or, or, or any new. What, what we, um, I, I guess the, the, the answer to your question is that it's a combination of factors that are contributing to the challenges that we've got. Yeah. One is... Indeed, um, African companies and, and public sector entities don't enjoy the best level of technology. So, so whether it is a red tape-related bureaucracy, you know, investing in the, the latest and the greatest, we, we can all ask ourselves the questions. But we are definitely not at the standard that most organizations are around the world. So, so we're more vulnerable, we're more exposed because we're using old technology. Right? Secondly, We'll always try and cut a corner around spending money to to implement best practice solutions. Yeah. Um, it's it's funny when you consider us in South Africa, we'll spend large amounts of money to secure our homes, our walls, and but uh, for for technology, we until we until we feel the pain, then only do we spend that money. So so that's one is technology, the other is um, um, the the cost of it. Third, which is which is a significant challenge, it's a global challenge, but also obviously we're experiencing it on the on the continent too. Is the skills. So you've, it's all well and great to spend the money or to have this. How do you implement it? How do you have the right skills to implement that? And and there's a shortage of that 
on the continent. So it ranges from country to country. In some places it's worse, some places it's better. But um, if you put all of those together, you'll find some countries have uh, have a boiling pot, which is, uh, you know, uh, yeah, the bad place to be right now. Okay, we certainly we certainly need to touch on the skills, um, you know, aspect that you are, you know, bringing up just now. And I like the fact that you do articulate the fact that there is, I guess, a disparity in the type of technology that's being used on the, on the continent as opposed to, you know, more developed parts of the world. And that might leave a lot of organizations being more susceptible, you know, to some of uh, some of these attacks. Um, but, you know, in terms of pushing forward then, uh, I want to move on to talk about AI, that is artificial intelligence. Uh, as I said right now, it seems everyone is talking about um, artificial intelligence. I think people in the technology sector have been hearing about AI for a number of years now, but in the mainstream, uh, the likes of ChatGPT have really done a lot um, to make people really aware of what some of these systems, you know, can do. So, Rudy, you know, I hear that, uh, you know, you are an evangelist, you know, when it comes to, you know, uh, technology and some of these things. Um, your take, you know, when it comes to, um, you know, artificial intelligence, are we blowing up, uh, you know, uh, much ado about nothing? You know, is it, uh, you know, really a huge threat out there? Like how deep or how big um, is uh, a threat uh, that comes from something that a lot of people really do seem to be, you know, quite excited about? Um, absolutely. So in, in AR world, we've, we've, we've seen a massive evolution happening, right? So initially, uh, we had supercomputers where eventually was beating grandmasters in chess, those sort of things back in the day. These days, uh, cybersecurity companies like Checkpoint use a lot of machine learning AI capability modules within our, our cybersecurity stacks that helps us with advanced persistent threat side of things, look at anomaly detection, etc. The buzz in the market since last end of last year is around open AI technology and how the consumer out there suddenly can use this type of technology to get access to data a lot quicker. Um, essentially, um, majority of consumers are loving the idea um, using common text um, asking instructions, etc., and getting the desired output, intelligent output. So what Checkpoint Research has done uh, in, in the last year was putting ChatGPT as one of these open AI frameworks, Chatbot test, and see can uh, malware campaigns be launched potentially from using ChatGPT, um, maybe use less skilled type of resource that don't have the technical Prowess, etc., and how far they can possibly get. Essentially, um, after doing all the necessary um, checks, so running a normal attack flow from phishing um, based type of activity, creating a phishing mail, um, e exploitation on an executable file, uh, running more advanced stuff like um, scans, port scans, etc., uh, the conclusion is that ChatGPT can definitely be. Um, in the scenario, it was very basic, and what we've also highlighted that ChatGPT is obviously doing a lot in the back end in securing their platforms, and, and content violations do pick up, but there is at this point in time ways to get around 
these sort of things. So uh, that's the one side of it. On the other side, um, like we constantly, from a checkpoint perspective, we also, we in the mitigation side of things, we try and stop these, these bad campaigns, right, from having potential threats. So uh, we also use these type of AI modules and a lot of um, additional work that's going to have to go in from our threat hunting teams, et cetera, where we can use the likes of a, a chat GPT, AI, open AI module to help stop threats in the future. So good versus evil, definitely you can play both sides of the fence, um, but yeah, it's here and it's, it's, it's imminent. Now, it's certain, it certainly is here and uh, people are making use of it, but very keen to get your sense um, around uh, where do you think the biggest threat lies or rather a bigger threat? Um, because you you mentioned a number of um, you know different methods of attack uh, that are being used by uh, people you know through ChatGPT, uh, but from your view, you know what's scarier? Is it someone uh, maybe using you know ChatGPT um, as uh, the basis of a chatbot um, to 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 maybe launch a some type of a social engineering? Um, you know, type of attack, you know, you can, um, you know, tell it, maybe program, tell it to um, respond in certain ways or within the tone um, of a certain company, certain person, you know, all of that, and it's able to talk in a very human-like way, or rather people being able to use it to be more efficient in them coming up with malicious code. Well, uh, good point. So the, the, the scary part of this, is where um, our research team is constantly monitoring, right? So we're looking at um, activism, communities, etc. And um, that's the real scary part is where we've seen both sides of a coin, where you've got very advanced skill type of uh, um, hackers out there that use very sophisticated forms of attacks um, where they're using chat GPT language and they, they're publishing it for the rest of the community to leverage off, right? So um, that's the one side. The, the, the scarier part for me is more on the, the novice side where you're opening up a new world where guys haven't done a lot of development in code and language, etc. So they don't have the experience of doing any forms of scripting, yet there's been uh, communication on these channels where uh, a guy posts, for instance, the first time the script uh, a response from another hacking guys mentioning that um, this looks like a, an open AI tool, confirming that it has been used, etc. And then when Checkpoint validates the, the code in the back end, it, it's got malicious content and can be utilised as a, a weapon on infrastructure going forward. So um, that's really for me where um, I think the game is changing, uh, where you don't necessarily just going to see uh, very advanced skilled um, hackers in the future joining um, in. Hey, just yeah, if, yeah. I, if I can jump in, I, yeah. I think it's nerve-wracking that both of it can be exploited so quickly. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a bot or whether it's a, some sort of you know phishing attempt, it's, it's the, the pace at what it evolves at yeah. and how it becomes smarter and more intelligent that tomorrow it might have got to you but you had prevented it next day to someone else because it's evolved 
and the prevention is not in place, and it, it manages to, uh, you know, to, um, to create the necessary exposure. Because it's a matter of just if, not... Not when. <laughs> Before you knew it was an individual who didn't have time or was whatever, their life was about it. And, all, and if they were intelligent enough, they'd evolve it to a level where it would create the necessary exposure. Now you have those robotic engineering that all it does, every second of the day, is just constantly Learn. learning, better. improving, better. And it's a matter of time. Yeah, it is a matter of time. And, uh, and especially just given, um, I guess, uh, what's being highlighted about um, some of this code just being published, you know, for, you know, on some of these platforms um, where anyone can go and get some of this malicious code and use it, um, you know, for their own attacks. Just, uh, just turning to you um, around uh, South Africa, right, before um, skills per se, I'm concerned about whether or not um, because I can imagine that a business like Checkpoint, you are probably talking to a lot of clients on a daily basis and hearing their pain points, what they're worried about. Um, is this discussion around, uh, you know, AI, ChatGPT and all of that, is that out, you know, in the, in the mainstream from the clients that you're talking to? Or are we, as the geeks and the nerds, still just talking amongst ourselves here? No, I think it's definitely out there. If it's, if it's not, I mean, then there's a serious problem because any organization should be concerned of any threats that might get into the environment. So I think everybody's talking about it. Um, are we evangelists? I mean, now currently today we've started CPX. Um, I'm actually very excited. I can't wait to join it because that's also where we will share what Checkpoint is doing to prevent this next generation of threats that might come to our, our shore. So definitely it is top of mind uh, in most organizations. And uh, when, it comes to, when it comes to it being top of mind, uh, the next piece of the equation then becomes, you know, are companies, organizations, you know, maybe such as yourselves that are supporting businesses, um, you know, do you guys find yourselves in a place where you've got the skills, um, you know, to help people, you know, when it comes to some of these, uh, some of these threats and the fact that they're e constantly evolving? That's the first piece. And then secondly, on the other side of uh, that equation is um, the clients themselves, whether it's through your partner network or whether it's um, the organizations themselves, do they um, have the skills and capabilities, you know, to, to actually deal with some of these issues? Okay, thank you. I would definitely say that as Checkpoint, we do have the necessary skills, otherwise we would not have been <laughs> the best security company in the world. Uh, when it comes to um, our ecosystem, yes, some of them do have the skills, and that's why we also have a star level for partners with different skill sets. So depending on the star level, they can support customers. When it comes to actual skills within companies or some of our customers, I think that some of them really lack the cybersecurity skills. And I think it's not because people don't want to uh, go onto this journey. I think it comes like I presented earlier, is the fact that we're not starting earlier when it comes to uh, students in school or university. So that is why there's a big shortage for cybersecurity skills. And I mean, we also had a separate discussion earlier. It's because uh, people don't take, or universities don't 
Ring fence, cyber security is a model in the curriculum. When you do study computer science or whatever, cyber security makes up, if it is there, it makes up a very small portion of that. I think with the way things are evolving and things are changing currently in cyber security, any university should have cyber security as a curriculum subject and even the schools because, I mean, we're all at risk here. Yeah. All of us. No matter how big or how small your organization is, you are at risk. No, it becomes, you know, quite a serious one. And I want to bring uh, Rudy back here and just... A couple of years ago, there was, there was, there was a very scary... Uh, what you call the cyber attack? Uh, I think it was Solar Winds um, in the in the United States. Um, critical infrastructure being involved in that particular attack. I believe in the United States. Um, and right now, you even in South Africa. Wow. <laughs> now, now, now you're scaring me even more. Um, but one of the things I was keen to to get your sense on is. Um, firstly, because it's a, it's a matter of do you think because he's an evangelist, right? Um, so you're going out and having to literally preach the gospel when it comes to you know these matters. Are people really you know? Um, it's just an extension of what I just asked now about. Are people really understanding how serious all of this stuff is? And if not, what needs to be done? to at least elevate the conversation so that people take it uh, you know more seriously and the reason i ask is because most of the time it seems as if in many organizations there's a reactive posture as opposed to a uh, a proactive one yeah uh, we what what i've seen um but like you mentioned, very much reactive with a lot of uh, the customer base we're dealing with in in the environments uh, in South Africa, especially. Uh, we we see in the areas where I deal with, uh, where we like you mentioned earlier, maybe looking like a grudge purchase, um, looking at maybe certain sectors of security as sufficient and not allocating enough budget, etc. For the increase in maturity level in the security stack. So you mentioned Sunburst with SolarWinds was a major uh, vulnerability in guys even in South Africa running network performance monitoring tools, um, etc. Um, and that was uh, a starting point for quite a lot of people realizing where they they might have relied on certain technology and the OEM that is providing that technology, securing that technology, and they should be fine. Uh, we see similar sort of trends in terms of cloud adoption, etc., where guys are also having those sort of, um, shared responsibility models where they think that the cloud vendors provide sufficient security. So we've got touch points across board, uh, but more than a year ago, Log4j with big supply chain affected quite a lot of people. So if you've had a very much mature security module uh, model in place, uh, like Pankash mentioned, you're looking at um, having more than uh, next-gen AV technology on the endpoint and more than the firewall on the perimeter. Uh, you need to have uh, anomaly-based type of detections, um, like we mentioned earlier, AI-based modeling, et cetera, to print. That is lacking with a lot of customers um, in different verticals. Uh, de definitely what, the, you know, the three things I spoke about and, and, and what Rudy's adding to it. Um, but we've got to get public-private partnership 
going. Yeah. It, it's 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 got to go at two levels. One is enabling the environment or skilling the. But we also got to hold each other accountable. Mm-hmm. I mean, you spoke about the one, right? But you can go back and read the local articles in South Africa of banks and unions and hospitals and there's been local threats that the people that have been unfortunately breached but we don't implement the necessary penalties around poppy like they do in gdpr in the europe yeah. our framework or policies are you know paper we, we we've got to get we've got to make each other accountable here locally um but at the same time we need to be sitting around a boardroom and finding ways to skill up the the gaps we have around cyber security yeah so it's a difficult one. Um, we have, unfortunately, other priorities in our country. <laughs> and it, yes, exactly. And if you you know ask uh, you ask for that kind of partnership, but right now the priority would be to find a way to get electricity sorted out in our country. No, no, it's certainly an interesting one, and I think that's where we can end off. Um, you know, uh, today's discussion just around some of these uh, gaps uh, that are being seen in organizations. And uh, I, yeah, and I think, uh, you know, now that we have uh, Rudy's take, can to get your take just around at what point um, you are finding that uh, clients engage um, with a checkpoint in South Africa. Is it a compliance discussion? Um, is it a prevention discussion? Or is it oh my gosh, checkpoint, we have just been breached and we now need either to recover what was lost, we now need to, you know, back up our systems. At what point are, you know, customers engaging with you guys? I think we have a mix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you do have customers that are more matured. They, they CIOs, they CISOs, they on top of their game. But then you also get some of the other organizations where cybersecurity is not top of mind. So they will only reach out if something goes wrong. So for us, it's important that we educate our customers, and we do that with our security engineers, our account managers, our ecosystem, even our distributors. They're at the level where they can also educate customers and our partners. So definitely a mixed bunch of customers. I would prefer the ones that are matured, but obviously um, we also need to bring the ones that are not at that level to that specific level to secure their environments and also secure our country. Now, we certainly hope that uh, we're going to have more of those and hopefully uh, campaigns, education can help to get more of the uh, people that are still trying to be reactive to become more, um, you know, proactive in the approaches when it comes to uh, cybersecurity. And we can give you the last word on the discussion. Um, One of the things that I've noticed, which I think is related to everything we've spoken about, is One of the things that makes it hard in our position to report sometimes when it comes to cybersecurity threats is the fact that, um, understandably, a lot of companies don't want to admit that they have been breached. (laughs) (laughs) We have a saying amongst each other. (laughs) There are those companies that have uh, been breached and they are doing something about it. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, companies already been breached but they don't know about it. So yeah. they're doing nothing about it. So our question is what do you think is, is, is the right approach? Because once again I'm not an expert but I am speaking from you know um, my particular vantage point is that a lot of businesses, especially smaller ones, 
tend to take some of these issues seriously when they can see and hear the impacts in another business. Oh, XYZ company, you know, lost 20 million rand because of a breach. But if you have, it's sort of like a chicken versus an egg type of situation. But if you don't have companies that are willing to admit that they've had 10, 15, 20 million rand or whatever it is uh, that's been lost in a breach or customer data or whatever it is, then you have a, a, a group of people that just sit there and say, yeah. actually, this thing um, is not that deep. So, yeah, that's where, yeah, that's where I think we can close off. Yeah. Look, I like your concept of proactive reactive. In, in our business, we use the term prevention, not detection. So the reason Checkpoint, I guess, is still in existence and relevant is because everything Checkpoint has ever brought to this uh, technology world in cybersecurity is about prevention, prevention, prevention. Even within our business, our culture in the team is always be circumspect, always, you know, there's always, obviously there's a lot of training to, to guide us. Um, so um, I, I think if if we can adopt that that mentality, whether it's at government or private sector, the prevention mentality, we we, we can get there. Um, we spoke about skills and all the other things that contribute to it, but indeed there needs to be a culture within the organization as well that conforms to that that thinking. You know, it's like I use the example of our homes. We know that our homes need to be secure. Everybody that lives in your home knows when they come into the gate, you know, you need to look around or, you, you know, some of the basic things that one needs to do to, to protect yourself. So I think we, we, we are a little ignorant when we go online as South Africans, and I'm bringing it back to South Africa, we'll quickly provide our details, buy things, but we'll never look at the basics what you need to not do and do so so the culture and the and the prevention i think the the the, the to end off if, if we can is what we did discuss earlier is are we at the stage on the continent or even more so here in south africa to leapfrog where we are which is in this generation two to three maturity cycle and get to this generation five six ai type chat, chat GPT security you know m m posture mm. I think we are I, I don't think it's anything uh, rocket science I don't think it, it, it needs you know some sort of uh, unique out of the world type behavior or thinking it's there the technology is available people are doing this all over in the rest of the world we simply need to find a way how we do that in, in collaboration with uh, with government and private sector. Um, I, I, I certainly think that, that that's, that's, uh, that's the way forward. All right. And I think that's a good place for us, uh, you know, to end off uh, today's discussion. We were uh, talking to the team over at uh, Checkpoint, and it's uh, really great, you know, getting a view from the South Africa side, from the Africa side, and also uh, just from a technology, from the technologist side, just to understand, um, you know, what's going on in the sector. I think a big thing that's coming out is the fact that uh, for a lot of organizations that are out there, there's still quite a reactive posture. Um, 
when it comes to issues of cybersecurity, um, even, you know, buying some of these cybersecurity services being seen as a bit of a grudge purchase. And, um, you know, obviously um, programs around making sure that people are aware um, of the threats is very important in at least uh, making people understand that a threat exists and that a threat um, can uh, touch them. Because I think a lot of the time people tend to think that it can never be me. Um, and I think that speaks to um, that saying that you're talking about, those that understand that they have been breached and those that actually don't even know uh, that, it is, uh, that it has happened to them. And we hope that going forward we can see um, you know, more messaging going forward uh, with people understanding what's going on. And I think my plea is just around, uh, it's a tough one, I understand, guys, but at least if we can have some of those case studies and those examples, I really think it does help to... Um, um, push the message forward and make it a little bit more real and tangible to people out there in the market. So that's been it. We were talking to the team um, over at Checkpoint. They are a cybersecurity firm. And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcasts on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight, which is a multimedia live production. So from us and the rest of the team. It is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.